All right, welcome to the show. Today, our guest is Matt Solomon. He's the co-founder of Channel Program. He has over 20 years of experience in sales and marketing and has seen it all, scaling a startup through acquisition. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. No, thank you, Andrew. I know we've uh, been trying to do this for months, mostly mostly on my end that it's gotten prolonged. And I know you've had some of my friends and colleagues, uh, past colleagues, uh, and so I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm glad you're here. And it wasn't wasn't all you. We we got on one day, and my internet just pooped out oh, yeah. completely. <laughs> um, and so it just wasn't meant to be at that point. So uh, Matt, can you tell us a little bit about Channel Program for people that don't know what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we we built Channel Program to really sort of democratize it. That's a big word. Uh, the, the channel give more voice to emerging vendors. Uh, and then on the flip side, it's, it's a two-sided marketplace. We've got the vendors and we've got the managed service providers, ISPs, and we wanted to give more voice to both sides of the community. There's a lot of consolidation going on in our industry, and uh, but there's a lot of great new technologies, and we want to you know get visibility uh, on both sides. Uh, we've brought in product reviews, so it's very specific to the channel. Um, and then also we're pulling a lot of interesting data, so we're going to be coming out with a lot of uh, interesting industry data reports on various product categories. So bringing a lot more transparency to our industry. I love that. That's uh, that's really cool. I mean, it's it's been a problem for a while that the big players, they have all the money, they get all the attention, they can pull yep. all the strings. Um, so I think that's really cool. If a vendor um, you know wants to get in touch with you or get started, where should they go check out Channel Program? I mean, you know, they can just go to the website channelprogram.com, but if they're just like, I've got to talk to, to this guy, just mad at channelprogram.com. You can just email me directly. Cool. Well, I think the perfect place for us to jump in today is if you are one of those new vendors, or maybe you've been around for a while, but you're not the $100 billion gorilla, um, you know, getting attention in the channel is hard. And the reason you and I got connected is because I heard that you've thrown some killer events uh, to, to help stand out uh, with the channel programs you've worked on. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with events? Yeah, I mean, so it started with the company ID agent that that I was part of, you know, help scale. I was I was the first employee there, and I, my my role was I was the product evangelist. So I was at I want to say 150 events, physical events, uh, over a two and a half year period, really across the world. And this is in a pre COVID environment. So yeah, you're, you're constantly having to come up with ideas on how to draw attention to yourself at the events, but then on the flip side, you know, when COVID hit. It was, oh, oh my gosh, like we're not at physical events. How do we draw attention to us now? Like, how do we get in front of an audience and do something different? And, you know, one of the things I put together that I'm really proud of, and it was really like a life-changing experience for me, um, you know, when, when COVID hit, it became very evident that everybody obviously was shifting to virtual and the webinars were going to get boring very quickly. You know, it was like the same, everybody, it was so, you think about how many vendors were putting out content and it was just like, oh my God, this is going to be so boring. And so I was like, how can we do something different? And, you know, at the time, I mean, now it's going to sound like it wasn't really that forward thinking maybe, but a lot of people weren't bringing in really big keynote speakers in a virtual environment. Like those are just, those are the people that were at physical events that you would, that you'd see. And that's where I came up with the idea. I was like, my childhood hero growing up was was Magic Johnson from the you know Los Angeles Lakers. 
who also happens to be an incredibly have incredible business, um, you know, life after basketball. And I was like, well, how cool would it be if I could get Magic Johnson to attend a virtual event of mine? And I was like, but it's going to cost me a lot of money, right? And I, you know, I, I went in with the idea of I'm not going to try to make money off of this. I'm just going to charge participating sponsors exactly what it's going to cost me to to get Magic Johnson. And and I was upfront and honest. I said I'm not trying to make a dime off of this event. This is what's happening. And within 48 hours, I had 12 vendors on board. And I think maybe another 48 hours later, I had a signed contract with with Magic Johnson. And we built out this real big thought leadership event centered around Magic as the keynote where I was going to interview him. And then all the participating vendors, we brought in as thought leaderships and put in, and, and put them on panels. You know, So it was completely centered around giving back to the community. In fact, we were able to get a couple extra sponsors at the end where we then gave all the money back to the community. So I still didn't make money. So I was able to... I think we offered like $5,000 in cash and prizes. And it was an amazing event. We... I think we had over 700 people there live, which is a you know, pretty solid number, over 2,000 registrations. And it was a lead share event. So everybody walked away with you know, top of the funnel, top of the funnel leads of you know, 200, or excuse me, 2,000. And then you know, I, I can tell you personally, we ended up sending, selling a million dollar deal from, that, from a lead that came from that event. And I know not most people didn't get a million dollar deals, but uh, plenty of our vendors got got deals out of that event. And we've continued those events for the last four years. I got to interview, and I'll, I'll jump off my soapbox, Wayne Gretzky, um, Gary Vaynerchuk. And then on November 1st, coming up here, we're uh, Damon John from the Shark Tank. Very, very cool. Well, I'm glad uh, you're keeping it going. I'll be looking forward to that November event. So. I guess we can just stop there. If you want to make a million bucks, you get Magic Johnson, you get other people to pay for him to come. Don't worry about covering any other costs. And then bam, million bucks, right? Sometimes it works. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really cool. You can tie that revenue and, and I'm sure uh, other folks were, were closing more revenue related to the event. So can we dig into the financials? What does it cost to get uh, a, an A-lister like Magic to, to come to your event? So I was very fortunate. I think I got to him like very early in the pandemic. And I don't think the celebrities and people like that knew what they could charge yet. Um, so it's all relative. I mean, it's, it was 60 grand at the time. I think he's probably at least a hundred grand in a virtual environment still. And you know, now, um, but yeah, I mean, you're going to pay 50 to 80 for any of these B plus a list kind of people I'd say. Um, but then, you know, now like the higher level people and magic is definitely one of those higher level, you're going to be talking six figures, you know, like the, the Shaquille O'Neal's of the world, like the people who are just, you know, known across the, the globe, you know, and then if you, if you want to try to get the rock, that'll cost you about 700 grand. So I trust me, I've, I've asked everybody's prices. So, uh, but you know, you can get, you can get some of these like business speakers, like business authors, uh, some of them in the 30 to 40 range, uh, so it's, it's, it, I think it really depends on your audience who you're going to try to go after. No, that makes total sense. And it makes sense that it's across the board as well. Uh, you know, I think, I think about the money that, uh, vendors spend, you know, in that range on, on stuff that doesn't work. So it can be a sticker shock for a single event. But on the flip side, there's so many softwares and strategies and things that people are just 
burning money on. It really doesn't sound that crazy because I think if you strike the right chord with your audience of the person who's attending or sharing their their knowledge, uh, it's probably a much more reliable ROI because you know that there's going to be interest there. Yeah. And again, it's a split cost, right? So I mean, it was a $5,000 fee for the sponsors that back when I did the Magic Johnson one and and we paid nothing. So like that, that was my whole thing. I was like, if I tell my company I can get Magic Johnson and it's going to cost us $0, they can't say no to me. And, uh, <laughs> that was my philosophy with it and, and, it, and it worked out. So. Yeah, make it impossible to say no. I, I yeah. like that a lot. So um, he was a childhood hero of yours. You had a couple other guests you've had since. Uh, walk us through how you choose them, who you think is going to resonate, um, you know, what, yep. Where do you start when you're thinking thinking big like this? Um, it's a combination of things. Uh, so one, I, you know, I do obviously have to, your audience is going to be is going to be critical in, in who, who who you choose. So you know, it's, look at the demographics of your audience. Who's going to resonate with them? Um, I mean, there's no question. The Magic Johnson one was definitely more selfish reasons, but I knew he brought the business acumen, and it was going to surprise a lot of people who don't really know his story after basketball. And that was one of the, like the really compelling things after that we, we got. Um, it is a brutal process because it's, it's cost is a big, is a massive factor in it. Um, you know, I've definitely been, I've tried to get Mark Hamill, you know, Star Wars. Yeah. I've tried to get him. I've gotten turned down for big dollars. I mean, he, for a while he was like 85 K and then, uh, you know, he got, he was back into the Star Wars series and then he shot up to like 125 and he basically rarely does any of it. So I've gotten shot down from him twice, but he fits the demographic of our, uh, audience. It's, you know, it's probably like if I was throwing out a demographic, it's like 35 to 55, you know, male, p- males who, you know, are in technology and they're, we geek out, right? We're, we, we, we love the eighties. We love, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek video games like that's going to be where i've tried to to bring you know the the speakers from and the people that grow up in that era um but it, it gets harder every time that i do it because it's like you're always trying to you, it's, it was hard to one-up magic and wayne gretzky back to back after that sure uh so it does get difficult and the costs are just getting harder and harder but yeah you just have to look at your target audience and, and try to think who's going to resonate. And I also try to find people that haven't been overused in our industry. Uh, I don't like to be copycatting off of other people's stuff. And, you know, it's, and it's hard because there's a, there's a lot of people that are spending money on these types of things now. Uh, but I do try to find people that haven't spoken in our industry, at least too often. That makes sense. I love your point about the demographics and we've seen the same thing when it comes to eighties. Uh, our most popular partner <laughs> activations are, are games that are like old school video games. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you, things like Space Invaders uh, or stuff that has a pixelated aesthetic. We'll take a look at Tap to Flap later in the episode. Um, you know, we were thinking of those things as general nostalgia, but I think you're right. I think there is a demographic thing uh, related to uh, to those, those old school games as well. So, um, 
that first example with magic went really fast. You're talking about like a 72 hours, you know, to yeah. the perfect, to the perfect event. Uh, have the other events come together so quickly? Um, or has there been kind of roadblocks in, in your mm-hmm. exploration? Obviously you talked about getting rejected. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the things that can come up or might have stopped you and, and how you worked around them. Yeah. So I would say the first two went without relatively easy in terms of getting on, you know, cause I, the goal wasn't to make any money and was really to, to just get it done. Um, as we moved into kind of the next evolution, uh, within channel program, you know, now I'm running a, we're running a business. And so there's the business side and, you know, my business partner says, well, you have to think like a business man, you know, owner now. And so, you know, there are some costs we're trying to bake into it and, and to, you know, build out the, the event. So yeah, there was definitely more challenges. And, you know, as the price went up, you know, the no, the yeses didn't come quite as quickly. Um, but, you know, we were able to overcome that and, you know, put on another big, another great event. And, you know, the second time it's gotten easier again, you know, because we, we, we reproved the, the concept, I would say. Um, but, you know, the, the hurdles, some people on panels don't like the other person on a panel with them, you know. Um, Ours are not, you know, there could be competitors and, you know, there, there might be reasons they don't want to be on the same panel and things like that. So, you know, placements on where's your panel? Is it before the VIP speaker or after the VIP speaker? It's, it's so egos, I would say, is probably the, the, the hardest thing to balance because, you know, we're often getting the CEOs of companies on our panels. And so, you know, people want the best spot as they should. But there's only there's only so many best spots, so we try to do the best we can, you know, to, to draw in the audience to keep them keep them at the event. And uh, but yeah, those would, I would say those those have probably been the biggest challenges. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. Um, so if somebody is taking you know a secondary spot, what are the things you can offer them or or help uh, you know soften the blow if they're not uh, on main stage right before Magic Johnson? Yeah. So uh, what we've done in the past is we've offered cash prizes and they get exponentially bigger as the event goes on and really holding a lot of the prizes towards the end of the event. Um, so like, you know, an example would be if you stay through the first panel, we're going to do a draw, a live drawing for $250, 500, the next panel, a thousand, then 2000. And oh, by the way, we're going to give out for the Wayne Gretzky one, we bought like $10,000. In Wayne Gretzky signed memorabilia, and you had to be there live at the at the event. You know, you had to stay through the event and and be there live at the event at the end of it to be eligible for those prizes, which we were drawing live. You know, via uh, it's called the Wheel of Names, <laughs> and you just spin the wheel and it, and it and it picks people automatically. So that that's how that's how we overcome that. And generally, everybody's been okay with it. It's it's, it's worked out. It has, it's never gotten very contentious. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like you did it intuitively, but that escalation of prizes, so important, introduces like novelty for the next round and, you know, rising stakes and and rising energy, kind of riding that wave of engagement. You know, we do that for weeks on end, you know, (laughs) running a program over the course of weeks, but I'm sure the same principles apply for, you know, a a day long event or a half day thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. So are all of these hybrid events, even though most people are going back to in-person? Uh, yes. They're not even hybrid. I mean, yeah, they're just virtual events. Um, okay. Yeah. So those have been 
we, we were doing them once a year and now just because of the success and just demand we're starting we we're now moving into a quarterly version of it um and yeah we're gonna see how that goes and see how it plays out hopefully we continue to see success with it very cool so tell us a little bit more about this one coming up in just a couple of weeks yeah so you know that one uh we've got damon john from the shark tank uh you know there's Robert Herjavec is probably fits our category the most. Uh, but to my point earlier, uh, you know, in the technology space, uh, he's been used so many times in our state and he's a great speaker. I, I love listening to him, but I, you know, again, it's like who have, who hasn't our industry heard from? And what's cool about Damon John, he calls himself the people's shark, you know, his, you know, a lot of people know him from the shark tank, but you know, if you know his background with FUBU and how he started that, I mean, it can res. It should. His story should resonate with any business owner, any entrepreneur, because he, the definition of, of straight like hustling from from the start, and it's just an incredible story. And just like his family supporting him, his his mom took out like you know and they didn't come from a lot of wealth. His mom took out a hundred thousand uh, dollar loan out of her mortgage to help him build Fubu, you know, and and it's just those like that support. And then these little things that happened along the way where he's got this great story that I encourage people to, to, to listen to when at the event around LL Cool J wearing his gear during a gap at a gap commercial without gap realizing it. So it's a great story. He was wearing a FUBU hat and, uh, you know, it was, you know, one of those like points in his journey where it just radically changed the trajectory of, of, of what he was building. So, you know, again, the event's built around him as the speaker. And then we've got three industry panels where we're bringing in thought leaders, see several CEOs uh, from the industry, uh, talking about some the, the main three topics around customer experience, uh, security, and, and operations will be the, the three themes. I don't, I don't have the titles off the top of my head right now. No, I look forward yeah. to it. So how long, how long an event is it? Uh, that one's going to be about three and a half hours. Yeah. So it's, it's an investment in time, but you know, again, it's purpose built around complete thought leadership. So any vendors who are participating, they're directed to, Hey, this is not a pitch. This is about giving back to the industry. So. So tell me a little bit about the feedback you have got from vendors. Obviously attendees are loving these. You're going to a (laughs) quarterly cadence, Um, but the people who have bought in uh, as sponsors, you know, what is their, uh, feedback, Ben, and has anything been surprising uh, from that side of of the the equation? Um, you know, I don't know if it's been anything's been too surprising. In general, I've only gotten positive feedback. Doesn't doesn't mean I won't ever get. You know, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> I'll get negative feedback at some point. Um, look, if you, if you deliver the audience, it, it sort of fixes any problem, really. Um, uh, they, I think they enjoy it. What, what's cool, and I know you'll appreciate this uh, from the marketing side, is when you get 12 to 15 vendors participating in a mar- joint marketing effort, like a leadless share, you know, that's top of the funnel, but everybody's promoting it. And so everybody's brand is getting promoted by 14 or 15 other companies. And so it's just a really cool, like the, the few weeks leading up to it, your brand, your, your photo is being posted by all these different people. You know, we bring in outside moderators for the panels so that one, well, truthfully, one, it takes, it takes some work off my hands, but it also 
brings in an independent person to moderate. And then they also have an audience, each of these moderators, and it allows us to bring some diversity to the groups uh, of speakers. And it's just really cool to see all these different people promoting their panel or the whole group or Damon John or whatever, whatever, you know, we, we give out a lot of the social graphics, the emails. So we try to make it as easy as possible. It's like marketing in a box for everybody that's participating. And, and it just works out really well. I mean, everybody gets, you know, as much as we all want bottom of the funnel leads, that's, <laughs> you know, it, that's great. You do have to have a mix and, you know, you have to get those top of the funnel. You have to build your database. And these types of events have been great for our vendors to build those lists, including us. You know, it, we're, we're just as part, a much a part of the system as they are. So I love the idea of third-party uh, panel moderators. I mean, you know, I was expecting you to say create a great sponsor and speaker experience, um, mm -hmm. having the marketing in a box, which is really important, but also... Uh, you know, you think it's, it's table stakes, but it's not. A lot of people drop the ball on that. So make it easy for people to promote your event. Um, but that's a surprising one. This kind of this neutral moderator. What other kind of secret sauce you are, have you been hiding from us, Matt, in, in terms of like, uh, you know, that's just a really, I think, interesting and smart move. Is there anything else like that that you think kind of sets your event apart? Um. I mean, that, that might be it. I'm trying to think if there's any other secret sauce. Um, you know, the only the only other thing maybe that, that we, man, we, uh, we we would have done this back in the day. This was when I was a vendor, more on the vendor side versus where we are today. Um, I, one of the things we would do is we would have an event like this and, and say, like, look, the, the event's ended. But if you want to stick around, I'm going to do a demo of our product. And it is shocking how many people will stick around, even after four hours or whatever the, the thing is. And I'm, it was a great way to turn top of the funnel leads into quickly into bottom of the funnel because there was no pressure to stick around. They didn't have to. Yeah. I wasn't, wasn't even giving them an extra reward. I just said, hey, if you're here, you want to stick around, this is what we're going to do. And if, if you don't, thank you so much for attending. And oftentimes, I mean, we would get like 40% of the people to stick around. Uh, so... I would say that was one last kind of secret sauce to those to, to that event when I was on the vendor side. No, that's a great tip and not tying, not escalating the energy with another prize. Yeah. You know, I think there is, uh, you've built some trust with the event. And so making it completely optional, I think is the right move. You know, so many times uh, people really could use your, could use your solution, <laughs> need to know more about it, but we're just bombarded with so much bullshit that you have a guard up, right? And so, yeah. you know, just taking the opportunity to uh, share what you got when the guard is down, you know, really adds value for everyone. And I think it's really smart that 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 you just kind of tagged it on the end, not mm -hmm. made it the crescendo of the experience because you're not yeah. going to beat any of these speakers, right? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And, and, you know, the other thing I was just thinking about was, and this is really just a bonus, and maybe this is more for the person who is, the one coordinating an event, if, if somebody else listening here does something like this, um, the benefits you get from the relationships you build from these events, and I don't mean the Magic Johnson relationship, I'm talking about the panelists, because you know you spend time, you know, you do a pre-panel discussion, and you know, going back to having those independent moderators, I, I tell them, look, I'm not here to be prescriptive. This is your panel, so you 
we'll, we'll, I'll facilitate the meeting, but you and the three panelists can discuss, figure out what y'all want to talk about. Uh, but I get to build three the relationships with the vendors, you know, who now on this side turn out to be my customers now. And then the moderators, I get to build relationships with industry leaders that maybe I wouldn't have, you know, known before. And, you know, there's two of them, or at least one of them that's participating in the upcoming one. Yeah, I didn't know her. I knew her name, but we've never spoken before. And now we had a chance to communicate. It turns out she happens to be a huge Damon John fan. So it just worked out in that sense. But, you know, now I get to build a new relationship with this person from a networking standpoint. And uh, it's also really, I think, valuable when I'm able to, you know, so one of the independent um, companies or industry leaders in our, in our space this group called CompTIA. And, you know, they're purpose built to, to help the industry, you know, the, the industry advocates. And so I'm able to reach out to them and say, Hey, is there somebody here, you know, from your group that could participate? And it helps build our relationship, this channel program with CompTIA. And so, you know, and that brings trust to our event when, they, when people see that kind of panelist or moderator. I'm so glad you said that those relationships are are so important. And the cool thing is you don't even have to throw a, a banger of an event like this to, to start those relationships. Some of the best advice I got early in my career was just go volunteer at the event, be yep. the guy at the table, be the person introducing speakers, like just help out because then all of a sudden you're in front of all these people and get to shake their hands and meet them and thank them and, uh, you know, build trust uh, and a rapport with with people that I couldn't in a million years cold call, especially as uh, you know a UX designer in my first year of <laughs> of pushing pixels around, right? So yeah. I think uh, just contributing to an event at at, at any level uh, is a great place to get started. If you're if you were where I was, which is like okay, I got a network, and that sounds like hell. And how do you you know, how do you kind of hack the situation? That's one of those hacks where you can go help out, be very comfortable in the environment and still make a ton of great connections without feeling like you're running around pitching people. Absolutely. So Matt, you throw really cool events. I'm hoping I can uh, tune in for this one in November because you've piqued my interest and I know I'll learn even more uh, seeing how it goes down. Um, but I would love to see if you can put up a respectable score on tap to flap. Are you ready to play a game? Uh, yes. I don't know if I'll put up a respectable score, but I'll try. Well, we put together the leaderboard after 20 episodes of promising. We're finally there. The top score belongs to Tim Parkin. Uh, he's got 12 and it goes all the way down to the bottom. One, two, three, four, five, six of our favorite guests got just a one. So uh, there's no pressure to perform. We really just appreciate you participating. I'm going to set a timer for a minute. I will uh, start the timer in three, two, one. All right, he's off. That's that's typical right there. Uh, sorry, I, didn't, I guess I didn't refresh the screen. That's right okay. We'll, we'll keep track. All right, you got to one. All right. Oh, my God. Ooh, so close. This is a very difficult game. It's so so difficult and so addictive. And that's the oh, reason. There we go. You got to three. <laughs> 30 <laughs> seconds left. If you're still flapping at the end of the oh. minute, we're just going to let you run it out. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You're getting the feel for it. There you go. Did you get four? I don't know. Nope. I don't know. I got three. Nope. Yeah. Not quite. 
Oh, he's got the feel. There he oh. goes. Six. <laughs> Fifteen seconds left. Oh, oh. Man. Now I'm going to take it to this game. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we get you. Oh, and that's why it works as a marketing touch point for us. All right, that's uh, the end of your minute. Right, Matt, well, you got six. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and that puts you, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. You're tied for top six with James Shear and Tim Davidson. So hey, congratulations. Is, did I beat Miles? And I think Amelia may have been on this too. So oh, Amelia them. did. Yeah, you crushed both Amelia and Miles. Right, so well, no you surprise. can no surprise there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Matt, people could check you out at the channel program website. If people want to get in touch with you personally, where's the best place to reach out? Uh, yeah, just on my LinkedIn. Just look up Matt Solomon channel program, and uh, you know, and, and if and if there's an MSP that's listening to this, uh, we actually are still running you know fifteen dollars for every product review you do up to three reviews, so you have an opportunity. To, it's, hey, it's give your opinion on products you're using and we'll reward you for that. So That is awesome to know. We'll clip that one up for, for LinkedIn. But Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show. I hope we can connect uh, after the next event. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Andrew.